1: Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 6.30 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins Wilkins on Oilers Oilers Radio 6.30 Chad. He's pawed at, knocked off
2: balance by Brendan
0: Dillon. Tumko with a turnover,
2: high slide, back! Score! Zach Cassian, he beat Martin Jones with 9:15 to go in the third period. Edmonton breaks through. It's one nothing Oilers in Game Three.
3: The Zach attack is back for the second straight game. Zach Cassian, the game-winning goal for the second straight game. Cam Talbot, a shutout, and the Edmonton Oilers lead their best of seven against the San Jose Sharks, two games to one, a big road win tonight. That was the only goal of the game, one nothing. Edmonton takes it. They tough it out, a hard-hitting, tight-checking game. Cassian, the hero, off a turnover. David Schlemko had his clearing attempt bounce off Cassian right in front of the net, and he sweeps a backhander underneath Martin Jones. My goodness, that was a tense one. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hope you had a great Easter. It's 10:50. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, and man, oh man, you could just—I uh, mean, watch it on TV, Rob. You could, you could sense uh, just how close that game was being played. I mean, obviously close on the scoreboard, but just how you had to fight for every inch, and the Oilers able to pounce on a turnover to win it.
4: Well, you and I started talking mid-second period, saying that, you know, it, it, this could be a one nothing game. The next goal could win this hockey game, because both teams were playing very well defensively. They weren't giving up a lot of chances, and the way that both Jones and Talbot were dialed in, they weren't going to give up a cheesy one. So uh, you got to like what the Oilers did. They weathered a storm early. As San Jose pressed hard in the first 10 minutes of the hockey game, Talbot made a couple big saves. And then as the game got further and further along, the Oilers became the stronger team. And we've seen that all season long. And there was a little blip in the first game of this series as the Oilers found out what it was like to play playoff hockey. Well, they've got it down pat now. And they realize that... It, 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 every game is going to be a close game. Mistakes will kill you. Dumb penalties will will kill you. And tonight, the others were so much better in in all different areas of the hockey game. They were smarter when it came to the taking the penalties. They didn't give anything easy up. And if there was a breakdown, which there was very few of, Cam Talbot against it on his head. Talbot making a
3: twenty-three save shutout tonight. He has stopped his last 39 shots, and as you probably heard Jack and Bob mention, first Oilers goaltender to get back-to-back playoff shutouts since Curtis Joseph back in 1998. So he continues to be a story. Cassian with two goals. The only guy to get a point tonight. It was an unassisted goal. The Oilers penalty kill also. Now they stayed out of the box today. They only took two minors, killed them both off. They've killed off 13 of 14 in the series, mm-hmm. and they're still plus one while shorthanded because of the two shorthanded goals.
4: And you knew that the San Jose Sharks power play was going to be stronger tonight. Joe Thornton was back in the lineup and I thought he looked very good for a guy that you know, there was questions if he'd even play in the playoffs. I thought he was strong and it makes their power play better, but the others are just so aggressive. On their penalty kill. Now they don't give the San Jose Sharks any time to set up. They're not given easy access into the offensive zone, and they're hard on everything. So it, the Oilers going into the playoffs needed a good power play, good penalty killing, and, and good goaltending. And and thus far, they're they're getting it done. So uh, I like, and I talked with Bob after the game. I like the understatement of the the win. There there wasn't the the overzealous celebration because there's a lot left to to go in this series, and they realize that. But they've set themselves up nice because this was a best-of-five series coming into tonight's game, and they didn't hold home ice advantage. Well, now they do, and they can go into the next game on Tuesday with all the pressure being on the San Jose Sharks.
3: Yeah, the Oilers, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. A lot can change in these series, but they can win the series just by winning their home games. And now they also put the Sharks in a situation where San Jose has to win two straight games to win the series. The Oilers have been able to come back with two straight wins after dropping game one. We would love to hear from you tonight, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630, a $25 donation this evening going to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. That's from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They've been giving $25 for every goal throughout the season. You can track the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. We have our old friend Cam on the line to start us off tonight. Hi, Cam.
2: Hey, boys. Exciting game. (laughs) Rob, I agree with you. It was 0-0, and I said, you know, this might be one of the better hockey games I've seen in a long time there. So it was it was good. I agree with you as well about about the storm. I, I don't I wouldn't even call that a storm from San Jose early. That was a cyclone, man. That that was they were beasts. And then you know what happened? I thought there was two shifts, San Jose's line, uh San Jose, the line with Sorensen. Who's on that line with Sorensen?
4: Tierney, Sorensen and Meyer.
2: So Sorensen, Tierney and Meyer, do you guys remember that one shift, probably seven or eight minutes into the first period that they went out there and it was just it was just bedlam.
4: Well, yeah, they, they, they had a few few shifts in this series. That, but, yeah, I, I do remember in the first period where they had everything going their way except for the puck going in the net.
2: For sure. So those, those guys went out, and the force that they brought, and I thought, oh, oh, we're in trouble. And we were tweeting through the game. There's a bunch of us that tweet. And then I just mentioned that we need we need a big shift here. And then that Latestu line went out and had a big shift with energy. So that, I thought, we negated them there, and then everything started to change after that and then the Slepreshev move we were talking about that too and we thought you know 19 wasn't going very good early we thought so we kind of figured maybe they might move 19 but it makes a lot of sense that they moved Dreisaitl because he went down and impacted the game on the next line and and then obviously Slepreshev skating came up and opened it up was great but the final thing I was going to say is um, when when these guys decided, and I only talked about it about five weeks ago, that they weren't, our boys weren't chipping pucks and weren't chasing pucks and sure as heck one of the first times that they get that puck through Dreisaitl just goes up the wall, chips it in behind, gets someone to turn, next thing you know it's in the back of the net. So I really hope that's a lesson. You don't have to We're up the rush all the time, and and we're not going to be able to in this series. We're not going to be able to beat these guys through the neutral zone very often. So, anyways, awesome, awesome, awesome game. Very excited.
3: Thanks, Cam. Appreciate you calling. I mean, you referenced uh, what some of the lines were able to do and the line shuffling our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. I mean, that's a big story, Rob, because these lines have been pretty pretty consistent uh, i mean they changed them a little bit when they had that come from behind win in colorado but because of the health of the team and the play of the team we've seen really consistent like as long as as many games in a row as i can remember in, in the years i've been covering the team but todd switched them up moved dry off the wing put slepishev with mcdavid and maroon and uh you know dry settle and cassian wound up Getting the goal, I mean, not off a, necessarily a line setup, but I think it also and, and Cam referenced it, the effect it had on DeHarnay and Pouliot with having Latesti with them that was much needed.
4: It was because in the first two games, DeHarnay and Pouliot, there hasn't been a whole lot going for them. We we've liked what Slapishev has done in his limited minutes, but they they just that line was to the point where. Todd McClellan wasn't putting it on, putting them on. They were getting five, six minutes a night, and that's not enough. And when you're playing against an opposition that rolls four lines, you have to be capable of putting four lines out as well. So Letestu gave them some spark, and I thought that was by far the best that Pouliot and D'Arnais had looked in the series. I mean, when things aren't going your way and you need a little spark, you're always going to change the lines. Eventually, they're going to get back to where they were before, at the beginning of the game. This is a team that is, what is it now, 14-3 and three in their last 17 games and almost all of those games have had the lines the way they are so there was success but you need a spark sometimes and and sometimes it could just be just two players changing positions and a slepishov he has extra jump in his skate in his skating because he's moving from playing 5 minutes to going out and playing with the best in the world and drysettle now realizes okay I'm not I'm not the the guy the wingman now I got to be a driver and you saw that so it it worked tonight we'll see where they go back but i imagine they'll go back to normal for, for the next game. But the Oilers came in and did exactly what they needed to do. They needed to win in San Jose and they played a very sound defensive hockey game and beat a very good team was good on home ice.
3: one nothing. the final in favor of the Edmonton Oilers. Cam Talbot is the first star with the shutout. Martin Jones, beaten just once, is the second star. Zach Cassian, the only guy to score in the game, is the third star. Rob and I give out the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates.
4: I've got my glasses on today, so I know so, who again, the stars can... were, so I can't give a double one. Uh, to me, I, there was talk after last game whether or not Oscar Clefbaum would play tonight. He blocked a shot, didn't finish the game. I thought he was outstanding tonight and when you go into uh, another team's building and you shut them out You've got to look at your defensive players and see who stood out. They all did, but Oscar Kleffbaum, almost 25 minutes tonight, hurts himself with a shot block last game. Has five more blocks tonight. I thought he was excellent. He was my four star.
3: Yeah, led the Oilers an ice time. Had three shots on goal. One shot that went wide. Oh my! That, oh. That
4: empty oh man! That could have come back to haunt the Edmonton Oilers. I, I, you know, I could not understand how the puck missed. Like he had no. There was no one in the shooting lane. He's coming down on a three-on-one, wide open net, I think some of the San Jose Shark players had stopped back-checking, and he tried going, I think he was trying to go bar down, and not a lot of guys call that in an open net from the blue line, but that's what it looked like, and you're thinking, oh my, if San Jose comes back and ties this after the Oilers had that glorious open net opportunity, they didn't, so now you can joke about it, had it gone the other way, it would have been a long night for Oscar Clefbaum.
3: Intense, low-scoring playoff game, just like we thought we'd be seeing. It's going to be tough to get to the Japanese Village goal light in the postseason, I think. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village downtown, south side, and north side. There are three Edmonton locations. All right, we have Castle Downs Dan on the line. Hey, Dan, how have you been?
0: Very well. How's the old boys' network doing? (laughs) It's doing great. Awesome. That was um, uh, definitely a heart starter. (laughs) Um, On the uh, whole cleft bomb thing, I thought maybe uh, uh, one of the uh, San Jose players was uh, trying to shift his stick in the way, so he was trying to get it up and just probably just got away on him. And yes, I'm making excuses for him because it didn't really come back to haunt (laughs) him. But uh, uh, what I wanted to talk about was uh, moving uh, Dreisaitl to center and and off of uh, McDavid's line really seemed to get his skates out of the quicksand because he was not skating very well before that change um it was if I, if I didn't know better I would say that it was almost a, well we'll let Connor do it and you know we'll just glide into a spot for him um and then of course putting him in the middle of, like you're saying you know it's, uh, you know he's got to now he's got to be a driver not a not a uh, an addition to so uh Uh, I also noticed that uh, there was one uh, particular rush uh, late in the third period where uh, I had to look and see if that that really was number 27 because he was moving like a freight train. Um, I don't think I've ever seen him skate that fast. Um, And I was thinking, uh, ask you guys what you thought of uh, uh, Milan Lucci's game.
4: I, I thought he was fine. I mean, this I thought the entire team played a good game. I mean, the San Jose oh. Sharks didn't get a whole lot. I thought Milan was fine. I mean, both teams are playing such good defensive hockey that there's not a lot of room out there. I mean, I mean Conor McDavid's the best in the world, coming off an all-world season and mm-hmm. he's not getting a lot of open ice. So when he's out there with, with Drysaddle and Maroon, it, it might not look like things are clicking for them, and, and you're thinking, okay, Maroon's legs aren't going, or Drysaddle's slow tonight. Well, you got to give credit, too, for, to the San Jose defensive setup that they have on them. They're not giving them anything in the neutral zone. They're shutting them down. They are a good hockey club, the San Jose Sharks, a very good hockey club that is doing a very good job right now on the other's best players. And now splitting up Dreisaitl and McDavid in tonight's game, it took Dreisaitl away from the, the checkers that are on the McDavid line. So all of a sudden he's getting, well, the the goal when he was out, there was a third pairing that he's going against. He's not going against a Vlasic who is as good as anyone defensively in the National Hockey League. He's a good hockey player. So now Dreisaitl is going against a third pairing, which allows him more skating room, and that's what we saw in the third period.
3: All right, Dan, you're our finish, the play contestant tonight. You've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. If you're correct here, you'll be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Intercept the
2: cycle. Fortin picked it up. Back to the point. Shot burn. Save made by Talbot. Carlson taken out
3: by Russell. And the Oilers clear back to center as Lucic finds Jordan Eberle. All right, Dan, some of Talbot's work there as he gets the shutout. I hope you've been listening to the broadcast. Who was the last Oilers goaltender to get back-to-back playoff shutouts? Oh, geez. It was in 1998.
4: There's a in movie 1998? There's a movie that has a name to it. Wasn't it a dog? Oh, yeah, a dog. There's a dog with a very vicious name. Saying, it shares the nickname of this goalie. <laughs>
0: Cujo. Curtis
4: there you go. You got finished finish the play with a little assist from Rob
3: Brown, but well, that's all right. Dan, stay on the line, okay, buddy?
0: Virtual high five coming to you, Rob.
3: <laughs> oh, I just got you. It was a good one. Castle Downs, Dan wins, finished the play tonight, and that audio clip was also our save of the game for Armour Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at ArmorInsurance.ca. We're going to hear from Camp Talbot in a second here, Rob, but but again, just the, the way he plays... There is such
4: a calmness and an economy to his game. Uh, There is. It's funny. I've played against and with a number of different types of goalies and styles. And there's the exact opposite of Dominic Hasek, who's an octopus on the ice, and he's all over the place. (laughs) And you just don't know where to put the puck simply because you don't know what part of his body he's going to stick out to try and save it. And then there's the Cam Talbot style of play, where at the end of the night, he has a shutout, and you're wondering, like, is he even sweating? Because he just puts himself in the position that he he knows he doesn't have to dive across the crease. He doesn't have to go sprawling to save the rebound that he just let come flying off his pads. He anticipates well. He reads the play well. Uh, he knows that, okay, I, I've got this guy coming down. Thornton's coming down. He's got Pavelski backdoor. Well, he's probably going to pass it, so now I can anticipate the pass across. So when the puck gets to Pavelski, I'm already sitting there in front of him waiting for it. Uh, he was excellent again, and... And we talked about, there, it didn't seem like there was a lot of grade-A scoring chances, but I think part of that, too, is just the way Talbot plays. He makes things look easy. And there was a couple great plays, or a couple great saves late in the game, the one on uh, Ward. Yep. That it, it, he made it look easy. And we're like, oh, I mean, he's got to make two big saves down that one. And then at the very end, Burns from the point takes a snapshot wrist shot through a screen, and again, just he's in the right spot. Puck hits him, and it bounces into the corner. So Cam Talbot, uh, there's a reason he can play as many games as he has this season because he is always in control.
3: Let's go back to San Jose. Here's Talbot.
5: Yeah, we came in, uh, got home ice advantage back, but uh, it'd be nice to to come in and play another game like that on, on Tuesday.
1: There weren't uh, were a ton of shots in that game. Really, that's two games in a row you haven't seen a lot of work. I mean, just kind of trying to stay sharp despite not a lot, a lot of pucks coming
5: at you. Yeah, just trying to stay focused. Uh, come out, play the puck a little, help the D out a little bit more. Um, just stay engaged in the game is the biggest thing. Just be ready because they, uh, you know, they didn't get old bunch of shots. I mean, they did generate some pretty good chances, and uh, when those are few and far between, you really have to be ready to to step up there. So, I think uh, I did a pretty good job of uh, staying engaged tonight, and the guys did a great job in front of me again. Yes, it's becoming a folk hero here in Edmonton pretty quickly with the last couple of games. I, know I can't say enough about him right now. Uh, he's playing at a new level. I think he's picked up his game, and uh, that's what we need in, in the playoffs. I mean, uh, our top guys are usually getting marked pretty hard and when he's secondary scoring, and he's giving it to us right now. Cam, your team talked
1: a lot about the first ten minutes just kind of weathering
5: the push from the Sharks. What was it kind of like? I mean, it's a really tough building a to play, and we knew that they were going to come out hard. The crowd was going to be a factor tonight. Uh, I thought we did a, a really good job of not giving them any secondary chances in the first and letting them feed off that. Uh, we did a heck of a job reloading, not giving them any odd man rushes, and uh, like I said, they did a great job in front of me again tonight, blocking shots and clearing out rebounds, so it's a great team effort tonight.
3: Oh, on got us now, Kellen. There we go. I got a. I'm double clicking a button there. Kev uh, Talbot shut out tonight. He is not allowed a goal in 120 minutes. Easy to calculate because the last goal he allowed ended game one, so two
4: straight games. No, he's he's been very. and It's funny. He, this guy that we got is a you know he's a backup goaltender in New York, and the Oilers needed someone. And like, all right, let's put our faith in this guy that we don't know you know a whole lot how he's going to do it on you know, on the big level as a starter. Well, in the last couple of weeks, we we're throwing his name around with Grant Fuhr, and now Curtis Joseph, two of the the best goalies that have played for the Edmonton Oilers. He has been outstanding, and he has given the Oilers a solid start in 999 of his games, and he did again tonight. So the Oilers feeling pretty good about themselves after a big win in San Jose.
3: Let's bring Lawrence onto the show. Hey, Lawrence, thanks for calling. Hey, how's it going? Doing well.
6: Good. Hey, um, I'm I'm going to talk about Talbot. Talbot was amazing tonight.
4: Yeah, he and, was um, absolutely.
6: Yeah, and uh, it's it's that confidence. I like that confidence that we have in our goaltender. And he's he's great. Um, it's, it reminds me of you know, uh, well Curtis Joseph for one maybe, but um, it reminds you of Ranford and just someone who will stand right in there and just go right into the game, and and yeah, have a backbone. It's super good. It's super fun to see.
4: Well, the players have confidence in him, and, and because of the the way he has played all season long, he's just. I, I, I there. There's not a game where you think, all right, you know, let's let's hope our goalie's on tonight. It, it's it's surprising when a goal slips by him right now. And tonight, at no to point did I think, oh, well, you know, San Jose's pushing; they're gonna get one here, because he just is so sound in net, and he's not swimming out there. He's simply standing in the right spot, swallowing rebounds and giving his team solid efforts.
3: Boilers win it one nothing. You can also text 6-30. This person writes: Is Nugent Hopkins quietly going about this series as a bit of an unsung hero? He's playing against the top line, bearing down on faceoffs, getting shots.
4: I I, I think he's been very good. I think that uh, sometimes you got to understand what your role is, and when you're an offensive player, most offensive players cheat a little bit. It's just in their nature, and that's how sometimes they get a jump. And they you know he might he might block the puck, but it might bounce over a stick. I'm going to jump and get a two on one. And you can do it against certain lines, but you can't do it against the other team's best players. So if you're going head-to-head against Pavelski and Thornton like Nugent Hopkins was for most of the game tonight, you can't cheat anywhere on the ice. Because if that puck doesn't bounce for you, you're out of position. Now you're letting their best players have you know, a, a good scoring chance. So he's gone against the best. He's been very, very good. Uh, and I, you talked about face-offs. Tonight he was... Five out of ten. F- yeah, there so weren't 50, a lot of face-offs. Like, no, long times without face-offs. So, Nujarov, and I noticed that tonight, too, that the, the face-offs, and the ones that he's losing, they're not the clean ones that we saw earlier in the season. They're they're ones that are battled, and, and eventually one team pushes it, but you don't get a good scoring chance off it. So, uh, this team needed... Everybody, this team cannot get by on one line, two lines, three. They need four lines going, and Nugent Hopkins and his line mates are a big part of this.
3: You know, I'm glad Jeff texted this in because he says, guys, how good has Benning looked since coming in? Well, I think we all know the answer to that. But, Rob, you made a good point about a game in November where Benning was out with about a minute and a half left, the the puck rolled over his stick, then he got hemmed in his own end, and the Rangers got a late game-winning goal and people were upset he was on the ice, but you were talking about that very game late in the third period today.
4: Well, I remember when we watched it after the game, we had all these phone calls and all these texters saying, how could you have this young kid out on the the ice late in a hockey game like that? It cost us the game. And we we talked about it at length afterwards, and we heard, remember Todd McClellan saying, you know what, how do we know what a player's uh, ability is in stressful situations unless we play them in that? How do you improve on it? unless you give them the opportunity. So Todd McClellan, all season long, was letting these players learn how to play in tough situations, learn how to play in in big moments, so that when they eventually get into a big moment, they're capable of doing it. And tonight, with about three, four minutes to go in the game, there's Benning and Nurse out there in a one-goal hockey game. Why? Because Todd McClellan played them there in the regular season, and he knew there was going to be hiccups, but he said, this is how you get better. And I thought, both Nurse and Benning were very good tonight in big moments, and that's why the Oilers have six defensemen that they can run through throughout the game and not have to shorten the bench, where a lot of teams, they all of a sudden go down to four or five defensemen. The Oilers have an advantage that way.
3: Yeah, and I think with defense, Rob, like you said, you only dress six in a game, so you can't, you can't shelter them. I mean, you might be shorthanded. Last game. Okay, so let let's say Todd McClellan had decided all year Matthew Benning never plays in the last five minutes of a close game, and then that last game Oscar Kleffbaum gets injured. So then Todd's either stuck using four defensemen or he puts out a guy that's never played in that situation in, in the NHL. So I mean the the odd forward maybe comes out mm-hmm. of the rotation though they didn't tonight. No, nope. all twelve guys yeah. played played down down the stretch and and Benning looked looked perfectly comfortable.
4: You, you've got to let players play in stressful situations. In the regular, I mean, it's almost like here you go. Here's your chance to to learn. And when we get into that position, we don't we don't want the first time you play a stressful moment to be game two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Right. You've got to have something that you can look back on and say, I've been here before. And I know I can handle it. And I thought both he and Nurse handled it well tonight. So the
3: Oilers win at one nothing. Cassie and the only goal you'll hear from him when we get back. If you're on hold, we're going to come to you as well. This is Canadian Brew House, Overtime Overline. This line, huh? is Oilers, Overtime oh yeah, Overline.
1: Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. On Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. He's pawed at, knocked off, balance by Brendan Dillon. Tumko with a turnover.
3: High slide back
2: air, Score! Zach K! And he beat Martin Jones with 9.15 to go in the third period. Edmonton breaks through. It's 1 0 Oilers in game three.
3: And they would win 1 0. Cassian back to back game winning goals. The last time the Oilers won two consecutive playoff games, it was also the same guy getting the game winning goal. Games five and six of the 06 Stanley Cup final. Fernando Pisani got the game winner in both games. Let's go back to San Jose. Here's Zach Cassian
1: back-to-back Game winners in the playoffs. How are you seeing all this? How are you handling all this? Well, as a
7: team, I think it's it's we're growing. I think this is a good hockey team we're playing over there. Uh, good confidence builder for our team tonight. Um, we knew they were going to come out hard in the first. Uh, they hemmed us in there quite a bit, but uh, we regrouped through the first intermission and came out. I thought our second period was really good. Um, and it's, it's a, growing, uh, gr- a growing experience for our team here. That's a good team. Uh, like I said, we'll enjoy it tonight for a little bit, but uh, right back to game four, not much time.
6: just lift was getting out of that first
7: period scoreless? Awesome. Yeah, it was huge. Cam was Cam was Cam tonight, um, held us in there when we needed big saves, um, and it was huge coming in here. Um, tied after, after one in this building, yeah, we'll take it.
1: Todd so made a line change through dry saddle in the middle. What did that maybe do for your line? and
7: well, I, th- I think he was just trying to to get everyone going. I think tonight we used all lines. Everyone contributed. Um, it was one of those things where um, he felt uh, there needed to be a change, and I think everyone responded well. On the goal, uh, sorry, we jumped in late. Do you
8: think you, you pulled Schmunkle there thinking you were on the boards and you suddenly jumped in, or how you kind of visualized the way that?
7: Yeah, I think it all starts with He dr- skated hard. He didn't stop skating, made the the first team. Make a play, and I saw he was looking for for a long pass. I just tried to get in the way. Uh, lucky for me, I think he fanned on it, and I just got on my tried to settle it down and, and, and shot on it.
3: So that is Zach Cassian. I mean, wh- what a story! On September twenty first, twenty thirteen, in a preseason game, he uh, broke Sam gagne's jaw with a stick swing. He was suspended for that. He was. Uh, Public enemy number one in Edmonton. Remember Vancouver then played a game in Edmonton later that season and he mocked Gagne's face shield. Uh, I mean, four and a half years ago, Zach Cassian probably could not have gone out in public without being mobbed. Today, he could not go out in public in Edmonton without being mobbed. But it would be a different type of mobbing.
4: <laughs> well, I saw a tweet the other day where someone was talking about the fact that can you, Sam Gagne is probably cringing as they start chanting Zach, Zach, Cassian, Cassian in the, in the stands at the last game. He's been excellent. Uh, Zach Cassian's game is, is made for playoff hockey. He's a big, strong man that skates very well, gets in on the forecheck, very physical. He seems to elevate his play. And we don't know. In the past, with some of the players that the Oilers had, if they are capable of being good playoff players, because the Oilers never got there, but now they've got a team that was very good in the regular season, and they've got some guys that are stepping up, and you need role players to step up in the playoffs because the top players they don't they do not want Connor McDavid to beat you, and they don't they're doing everything they could possibly do against the Oilers top line, and they've done a very good job. So someone else has to be a hero, and thus far in the playoffs, it's been Zach Cassian.
3: Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we have Tony on the line. Tony, thanks for calling. How are you guys tonight? Doing well.
6: Well, first of all, I for the first thing, I never thought that Cassian would be the Shark's crypt tonight. And the second one, um, I've noticed something about uh, you know, the first line. How long do you think it's gonna be until McDavid finally figures out what the Sharks game plan is and just completely um,
3: humiliates
4: them completely. Well, I I don't know if you're going to see Connor humiliate the Sharks in the playoffs. Uh, they're good, and they're go- he's going head to head with Vlasic, who is a an, a Canadian Olympian, who he, he is a very smart hockey player. He's they're trying to get uh, the best defensive players on the ice. They're doing a good job against them. I mean, Connor had about three or four good opportunities tonight. He he was. He came around from behind the net, tried stuffing in a couple of good passes, but there's just there's no room on the ice. The San Jose Sharks are not going to allow Connor McDavid to wind up in his own zone and come to the neutral zone with speed. So I, I don't know if there's much that Connor can change in his game other than to continue doing what he's doing and hope to get a bounce or a break. I mean, this this is playoff hockey. You you have to earn every inch on the ice, and the San Jose Sharks are forcing Connor to do that. Now, having said that, eventually one of these bounces are going to go in for Connor, and and you're gonna he's going to have a a couple points one night that are going to be the difference in a hockey game. So, I think he's been fine. I just think the San Jose Sharks team has done a great job at limiting his chances.
3: And, and you know, Cassian credited Leon Dreisettle for the forecheck there. Yep. And I was just watching the the video of the goal again. Leon just kept moving his feet. He didn't coast. I mean, he was several feet away from hitting Schlemko, but that's what we talked about. Always get in there. Make a guy feel like he's rushed, even if he isn't. And Leon just kept going, and Schlemko, instead of firing it up the wall, thinks, oh, geez, I better just flip it out. Hits Cassian, wide open chance. Well,
4: and that's what physical play does. The more you're physical on someone, and you do it consistently, you don't turn away from a check. If they know they're going to get hit, eventually they start getting a little antsy, and they move the puck before they get hit. So that one, he... Leon goes in full speed, so now there's not a lot of time for Schlemko to think. And because he's going he knows he's going to get hit, I'm going to get rid of the puck. And Cassian, and and, and I think it was Gene Principe that asked the question, Cassian did the right thing. He came down the boards, and that's what Schlemko saw. Then he came through the middle, because he's about going into his defensive positioning, and Schlemko threw it right off him. I mean, we got very fortunate. The puck came and landed in the exact right spot you needed it to land in. But when that bounce happened, the others took advantage of it, and that's why they got a one nothing win.
3: Terry on the line tonight. Terry, thanks for calling.
9: Hey, Rob Reed. You know what? What do I got to do to get in here earlier? Listen, I got about four things uh, on the go here. Uh, first of all, thank you guys. Kudos, for a wonderful show. And uh, I'll start off with uh, number one, uh, Cassian. Uh, why does the name Kevin McClellan come to mind when I see Cassian? And secondly, when I look at Cassian, I can remember many, many years ago, uh, uh, there was a fellow named Mark Messier, and I can remember looking at his eyes, and I've never seen intensity until I saw Cassian play here uh, in the last couple of games. Um, secondly, and I'll let you guys talk about that important goal in 1984 that uh, McClellan scored and why it's so important. Uh, secondly, to all my Ukrainian um uh, friends uh, I wish them all a happy Easter and I go with something I hope and bugger it up it goes something like which is something like Christ's roof yeah
3: it's pretty, pretty close yeah
9: yeah. so I hope that works out for you folks and uh, uh, third there's a fellow Fred calls in periodically he's one of your regulars and uh, belatedly I wish him a happy birthday he had a birthday I think about a week ago and uh, to echo his uh, comments as well please people This is Edmonton, show some class, enjoy yourself, but don't tear the place apart. And lastly, um, I guess number four, you have some regulars there like uh, Fred, JP, Daily Doug, and a few other guys, used to be a fellow named Tom, but he passed away. Uh, It would be nice if you guys had a show sometimes when you're a little slow, bring some of these guys on, I think it would be kind of interesting.
3: Jerry, we appreciate you calling, man. Thank you so much for giving us a buzz and speaking of one of the regulars. Here's JP. Hi, JP.
10: Well, I appreciate this guy telling me I'm a regular. Very good message by this guy. Very good message. I'll try to keep it. Uh, I'll try to keep it uh, PG tonight. I am so drunk tonight. I had a few drinks. I have a crush. I have no problem as a guy. saying this. <laughs> Cassian, I want this guy. I have a crush on this guy. He stole my heart. I swear to God, his Wolverine chops, his two-tower <laughs> stare, his, his Jim Carrey Lloyd Christmas. Look, I love everything about this guy. I'm going to buy a jersey tomorrow. I can't wait. But I want to know right now. Read, Rob. I want both your opinion. Can we close this out on these guys? Go into the next game. Cass, right whipping around, get another goal to the 5 this is where they, you know, I'll tell you right now. It's five-hole city on this guy. It's like playing pitch and pot out there on this guy. Just go for the five hole. But can we close it out at home? Win the next game, and then come home and get into the orange <laughs> stage and just start rocking. I'm going back to drink, you guy. I just wanted a pony. Hello,
4: thank you.
3: One game at a time, JP. All I'm thinking about is game four.
4: Yeah, and the pressure is all on San Jose. But the one thing that we've seen all season long is the Edmonton Oilers are in every game. And if you're in every game, you're only one bounce away from winning every game. And that's what we saw tonight. So I wouldn't expect anything different than the effort we got tonight. And if they have that effort and the same goaltending, you know what? The Edmonton Oilers uh, could come home with an opportunity but they've got to come with the same effort they had tonight.
3: You know, a lot of praising for McClellan's coaching on the text line. You'll hear from him when we get back. Full board of calls. We're getting to everybody. Oilers take it. One this in is overtime, overtime This is Canadian Brewers. the Canadian brew on Oilers
1: Radio, now, Chat. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. Joel Ward up the right hand side. He'll
3: chip it to the corner. Big hit on Russell. Tierney after the puck. And it comes free. Quick shot. Save made on Joel Ward by Talbot. Cam Talbot, a shutout. Second consecutive clean sheet. Oilers beat the Sharks 1 0. Zach Cassian, the only goal as we look at the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. Blues over the Wild 3-1 to lead the series 3-0. The Penguins over the Blue Jackets 5-4 to lead the series 3-0. Montreal beating the Rangers 3-1 to go up 2-1 in the best of seven. Of course, your Oilers are up 2-1 in this series with the Sharks with Game 4 in San Jose on Tuesday. Our coverage will start at 6 o'clock. He's Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. 780-496-0063. We bring Greg onto the show. Hi, Greg.
6: Hey, guys, how's it going? Doing well. Uh, well, you know, um, first I want to say I almost gave up my son for adoption before the game tonight because he was saying Tom was going to get a shutout. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, but he was right. So after the game, he, he told us at six years old, he told us that he was right. So good for him. Give him the day off uh, school tomorrow. Uh, yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, give him
4: another one at some point. And ask him yeah, what exactly, the winning, yeah. ask him the winning uh, numbers so, of the next lotto too, please.
6: Uh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, well, if only it's all to him. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh,
4: the
6: other thing I want to say is, man, the throughout the year, like everybody's worrying about whether secondary scoring. Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore because we have Zach caspian So, because uh, two, that like two games in a row, two game winners. I mean, he he is uh, our playoff beast. Like, you remember Fasani, you know, six, right? Well, I'm not saying he's going to keep Basani, but but he's bringing it every night, just like Fasani was. Yes, the goals aren't there yet, like, you know, like, 23 goals or whatever it was. But, you know, it's nice to see these, uh, the, the, the secondary scoring stuff with that. and stuff at that end. And the other nice thing was the Oilers being out hit tonight, it didn't seem like it phased them at all because um, they have the size on their, in their lineup to be able to, to take those hits and still play their game whether they get getting on hit or, or whatever game they want to play, it just seems that they, they can just adapt. And you know what? We we didn't squeak in eighth place this year. we, we, we were a good team, and we have a chance to win this series. And and, and, and that's awesome. But uh, hold on. I got, I got a
3: little seven-year-old that wants to say something. Hold on here. All
8: right. Get go, lady, <laughs> go!
3: Excellent comment. Thank you. Greg, thanks for calling, buddy. 7804960063 Fernando Pisani 14 goals in 24 games in 2006 but yeah, yeah I mean Cassian you know you just how quickly he's just captivated everybody and it's not just the goals it's the energy he played with specifically in game 2 but people have talked about the hits I mean Rob you and I the hit stat you always take with a grain of salt because some rinks have them higher than others uh, San Jose with 58 hits tonight to 37 for the Oilers, so both totals um, pretty high. Uh, y- you knew San Jose was 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 going to try to play that physical game, but I mean, Greg sort of referred to it. I mean, the Oilers weren't phased by it. They said, "Okay, come get it. You don't bring bring everything you have. We're not going away."
4: Well, this Oilers team is not a soft team, and being a, a a tough team to play against, and being a a, a solid you know, hard-nosed team isn't just mean throwing hits. It means willingness to take a hit to make a play. And I think that is what is tougher. And it shows you've got toughness if you're willing to take that hit so that you can make the play, whether it's get a puck in, get a puck out, uh, move it from one side of the ice to the other, but pull your guy to you, take the hit and then move it across so you give your partner some time. The others are willing to do that. And I don't know if that was the case over the last decade here. But it is now. This team has been built. It's a tougher hockey club. It's got bigger bodies, stronger bodies. And they're made, this team was built, to play in the Western Conference that has big teams to play against. And so far, so good as the Edmonton Oilers... Role players, big, strong players, have been very good here in the first round.
3: Just a couple of text messages. Uh, Brett says, do we have to worry about the face-off percentage? Well, no more than all year long. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're the Oilers aren't a good face-off team. And I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss it, but it's not all of a sudden going to improve. They were 48% tonight. There were only 42 face-offs in the game. So it was 22-20 uh, in favor of the Sharks. Brett, uh, another Brett says, how does Maroon find his groove? Also, Nuge has been the best two-way forward in my book. How does Everly step up his game?
4: Well, Maroon, I mean, Maroon had a great chance tonight, a wonderful play by McDavid backdoor on a 2 and one That's why we're saying that, you know, McDavid just not getting the bounces that sometimes he got earlier in the season as that was a great chance for the Oilers to get uh, a lead there. Uh, Maroon's just got to do what he does, and that's go hard to the net, drive through the, through the z- offensive zone, get in front, tip pucks, um, there's just there's just not a lot of ice out there. I mean, you, you look at the, the, the other side, uh, Logan Couture, Joe Pavelski. I mean, so far, have you seen them get a lot of free ice and, and creating in the offensive zone? No, because it's, it's hard to do that in playoff hockey. So Maroon just got to continue to work hard, do the things that made him successful. Uh, Jordan Ebley, he, again, is like Nugent Hopkins. He's being put in a role where he's playing against the other team's best players. And if at the end of the night, they play the Pavelski line to a dead, dead still where they're both. You know what? Neither team, neither line got any points. Neither te- line got any goals. Well, then that's a successful night for the Oilers, because if Nugent Hopkins goes head to head against Pavelski and neither line scores, well, then we just shut down their best players and we'll let the rest of our team take out theirs. Just want to
3: clear up uh, something that's heating up the text line here, and I've checked with my mother, whose first language is Ukrainian, <laughs> grew up uh, outside of Lamont. Mm-hmm. I believe Terry wished everybody a Merry Christmas. I, I'm going to try this. I, I'm not. I, I only know about 50 Ukrainian words, and they're all either food or swear words. You uh, don't 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 do the swear words. No, it's not a swear word. Christos Voskris, I believe, is Happy Easter. I, I, I believe Terry missed, wished everybody a Merry Christmas. But even so, maybe he's just getting ahead of the game.
4: Oh I, I like Christmas. <laughs> I mean, I wish it was Christmas tomorrow. That'd be cool too.
3: We we have Kyle on the line. Kyle, thanks for calling. Hey,
6: I was just, uh, I was looking at stats from San Jose's power play so far in the series, and I saw they're only one for 12. Uh, Do you guys think that that's the Oilers' penalty kill being that much better, or is that just San Jose, their power play just falling off the tracks, off the rails a bit?
4: Well, actually, it's one for 14 now, as Reed just pointed to to me. Uh, I think it's a bit of both. I, I think that the Edmonton Oilers did a very good job figuring out what San Jose likes to do on the power play. They're not giving them any time and space. They're trying to pressure them everywhere on the ice. And it doesn't matter if it's in the offensive zone, back when they're picking the puck up, bringing the puck out. They're just putting pressure on over and over and over again. And it's just San Jose's not getting any setup and not getting any good looks. So I think San Jose, to, to me tonight, if I was a, the coach of the, the Sharks, I would, it would have been simple. At the very beginning of the, the game, first power play, I have Thornton setting up Burns for for big shots. And I would have just, you know what, let's start from there and see if we get things going. They didn't do that, and the Oilers just took away every other option they had. So I think San Jose has got their power play. wasn't good all season long. This is not a a power play that they're, where they're a top five or six power play. This was a bad power play throughout the regular season, and the Oilers' penalty killing has been excellent. It was excellent down the stretch, and it's carried over into the postseason. I guess it
6: just leaves me a little bit unsettled because... Knowing that they've only scored on one of those opportunities in this series so far, it makes me think that if they were actually to have an average power play even, that the others might be singing a different tune going into the next game. Like, they might not be up 2-1, having only scored two sh- two even-strength goals in this series, and two of them coming shorthanded on San Jose's power play. Yeah, but themselves.
4: but in the other... I mean, you look at the other way. They are, first of all, up 2-1, and they're not giving San Jose anything 5-on-5. Five five. So... Well,
3: Oilers take it 1-0 tonight. Cam Talbot has two straight shutouts. He's stopped 39 consecutive shots. Rocket has called in tonight. 780-496-0063. Hi,
9: Rocket. Hey, Reid. How are you? Doing great. You know, we went. Uh, I went to uh, Rexall Place for the first time with my wife since 06, and we uh, did the uh, watch the game on the screen deal. Awesome. The wave went around six times, if you remember that. From the old days, yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, it was, it was really good. It was. Uh, we, we left actually. We were just walking out when Cassian scored. So in honor of Cassian, I've, I've already got a playoff beard going. So I'm going Wolverine.
3: <laughs> nice, good stuff. <laughs> Thanks for calling, buddy. Yeah, right on, guys. Have a good night. And don't forget. Wolverine also has a healing power. That is true. Yes, I read lots of X-Men comics as a child, you and s- some as an adult.
4: Actually, I just went and saw The Logan. Logan's Nuts. a good movie. Great That's movie. That's a good
3: movie. Great movie. Got a, a couple texts here. Uh, Adam Larson and Oscar Clefbaum at $4.1 million per year. Might be the best contracts in the league going forward. They are studs on the back end.
4: Yeah, yeah they've been very good. Uh, the Oilers' defensive group as a whole, has been excellent thus far in the playoffs. And as we said when we said that Clef Bomb was the number four star of the game today, uh, they they just are not giving anything up. And you and I, Reid, were talking during the game. We've watched so many other games in the past where there's breakdown after breakdown defensively. It's just not happening. You're just not seeing San Jose Shark players having wide-open looks. Everything is contested. Everything is battled. And you got to give credit to the coaching staff for putting in the right uh defensive structure but also for the players to buying in and willingness
3: 7804960063 we will welcome Robert to the show as the Oilers win one nothing in game 3 hi robert
6: hi reed hi rob how are you guys doing tonight doing well yeah well well just a, a couple thoughts again obviously obviously my first one is on is on uh Cassian and the and the way uh the, the way he played Cassian was was all over the place again tonight for the Second straight game, and obviously another another game winner. And then my second thought was, uh, I, I, thought, I thought the team was was far far more disciplined tonight. I know there was no nowhere near as many stupid penalties as as there had been the previous two games.
3: Well, that's a great point. I mean, they were shorthanded twice. We weren't huge fans of uh, Apuleyot's penalty. You know, Cajula was was a call. He's you know hits a guy from behind, so that's going to be boarding. But I mean, sometimes those those are going to happen. Yeah, I mean the the Oilers, and again, we've seen that all all year, Rob. No team is perfect, but when the mm-hmm. Oilers have had a problem, they've often focused on it and been able to correct it quickly, or at least relatively quickly.
4: Yeah, no, hey, they hey, Tom McCullough in his post game usually tells you what he's going to tell the players, and he tells you what he's happy with, what he's not happy with, what they have to get better at. And what I think we've seen, too, with this this team, and I've played for a bunch of different coaches, and the team usually takes the whatever their coach's personality is. That's how the team's personality becomes. And Todd McClellan, from watching him coach and getting to know him over the last few years, is very calm. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. He doesn't get... The, you don't see the anger, the fiery guy on the bench when things go wrong, and that's how this team plays. When things go wrong... They just all right and let's go fix something in the direction in between periods, we'll come out be better in the second be better in the third. When we take dumb penalties, we're going to go talk about the fact we took dumb penalties and say, "You know what? That's not acceptable." And we come out the next game and we play much more disciplined games So, I think that's good on the the coaching staff again of having that even keel attitude that the players have bought into and they've always corrected or tried to correct things that need to be corrected.
3: All right, it's 11:45. Let's go back to San Jose. Here's Oilers' captain Connor McDavid
4: moving his feet, creating chances, um, you know, he's he's
1: getting rewarded, so, um, you know, it's good to see. Cam Talbot's game, not uh, as many shots, but still a big one you need to Yeah, he was great again. Um, you know, big saves, timely saves, um, You know, especially early on when, you know, they had all their momentum. Uh, you know, he was great for us. speak to the position that's going to put you guys in, uh, in the series? It's one game. We'll, you know, we said that after the last one. It's the same same thing. Um, well, it's it's nice to be up two one, but um, you know we have uh, another one on uh, Tuesday, Monday. I'm not sure one of these days. So um, <laughs> you know, same thing. Yeah.
3: Well, you've hit players on, and I'm 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 far from a player, but I'm even like that with the broadcasts. I don't know what day of the week nope. it is. I just know if I'm hosting either Inside Sports or this show. There's... But but there's that mentality, and Todd has often said that play a game learn from it, park it, and then on to the next one. The Oilers' goal is not to have a 2-1 lead in the first round. <laughs> it's the San Jose Sharks, you know. Their or, goal is to, to win the Stanley Cup. I don't know if they're going to do it this year, but now it's on to the next game.
4: But the thing is, you start looking too far ahead and you you lose focus on what you're playing for. And if they start thinking, oh, God, you know what? We can go home on next Thursday. We can close it out on home ice and it'll be, you know, winning five and then we can get some rest. Well, then all of a sudden you just lost the focus for game four. And now, if you lose Game Four, well, now you're coming home with more pressures on you. So, uh, I, I've liked this attitude from this team all season long. It started in training camp, and they've they've believed in themselves. And they don't get high, they don't get low. If we have a four-game winning streak, good. Yeah, well, we're supposed to win. That's our job. If we have a five-game losing streak, well, you know, we didn't get the breaks. We got to be better. We're gonna go fix it in practice, and that is that'll take you a long way. And. Uh, Connor McDade, When it comes to, to to not doing what day of the week the game is, I'm sure they'll have somebody that'll get him to the rink on time. <laughs> and he'll be at the game. The, Someone'll. Yeah. They got it, a guy a PR guy said, "All right, Connor, make sure he's at the rink. It's an eight o'clock game." But it, there's three there's three type of days for hockey players. It's game day, practice day, and day off. And if you want to go in order, game day is your favorite. Day off is second, and then practice day comes in somewhere, a distant third. But you never know the days of the week. You just don't. It's either you're playing that day or you're practicing. It's uh, Sunday for 11,
3: 12 more minutes. It's 11.48. Oilers beat the Sharks one nothing. We have Alex on the line. Alex, thank you for calling.
6: Thank you very much for having me on. Well, one thing, congratulations, Talbot. Oh, my God. We got a goalie.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, he's he, he might be... In, the playoffs don't count, but even so, he might be in the f- final three for the Vesna Trophy. We'll see. But he's been outstanding.
6: Well, I hope he gets mentioned. And uh, I have to say I am so proud of uh, Zach Gassian. Uh, well, I'm, I'm speechless, and uh, yeah, I'm... Well, you know, and... Um, and guess what I was so scared that uh, you know I, I had no idea what was gonna happen you know going to San Jose and this team this team is wow uh, you know um, we waited a long time for this you know and uh, for them to show what they had tonight you know like this game won nothing and uh, and guess what this Stanley Cup is up for grabs.
3: Oh, absolutely
6: you know, it is, I, Alex. Absolutely, we could f- I'm I'm speechless. I'm I'm so happy for uh, Cassian and uh, what he's gone through and his family and everything. And we all know, and uh, what a class act. And um, I'm so proud of the Evans Oilers organization for taking this guy on and believing in this guy and said, hey, you know what? Let's just play hockey, and we'll figure all the rest out. And guess what? This guy figured out to play
3: hockey, man! Holy shit! Okay. Yeah. All right, Alex. Thanks a lot for calling. We appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Alex is uh, obviously excited. <laughs> we appreciate that he called for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, casting is is uh, is certainly an incredible story. He comes through with with two game winning goals. Definitely a long wait for Oilers fans to have a competitive team in the playoffs. He he said the Stanley Cup is up for grabs. And, I mean, that's that's the thing, Rob. We said all year long, just get in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Certainly you and I thought some matchups might be four, more favorable for the Oilers than others. But, again, I mean, look, Chicago has not scored a goal through two games. Mm-hmm. Nashville has taken control of that series. You and I liked Minnesota f- through about the first 65 games of the season. Then we started to think, well, wait a minute. Now they're on the brink of elimination. I mean, you just you just don't know, and to get back to the, the, the day-by-day cliche, but it is a cliche, the Oilers don't have to worry about the Chicago Blackhawks nope. or the Nashville Predators right now. Other good teams are going to fall by the wayside. You can only play the the next game up and then the next team up if you make it to the next round.
4: Yeah, but it, that's why the focus for Todd McClellan and the players, and your, it's all they're going to talk about. They're just simply going to talk about next game. Because if they don't win next game, then all of a sudden they come home and pressure's on them. They understand that this is a, a seven-game series, they're fully prepared to go all seven games if that's what it takes, and just take it one game at a time, one practice at a time. And when you start getting into the games, and, and you, you hear players talk about it and coaches talk about it, one shift at a time, It's honestly it is like that. You don't look further than the, your next shift. You, your focus is simply going out there, you get back to the bench, You're you're dead tired, and you wait for that... The call from the coach to get back out there for your next shift. You don't look any f- further than that and when you do, you find yourself in trouble.
3: 780-496-0063 We're getting to everybody on hold. You'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan as well. The Oilers lead the series two games to one a one nothing victory tonight over the Sharks. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630
0: This is Overtime Open Line brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio 630
1: Chad.
3: The final tonight in San Jose. You heard the game live right here on 6:30. Chad. Oilers won. Sharks nothing. Cassian, the only goal unassisted with 9.15 left in the third. Cam Talbot. A 23 save shutout. He had a 16-save shutout on Friday. 120 minutes of shutout hockey. For Talbot. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. We'll bring Dean in on the open line. Hi Dean.
11: How's it going? Doing great. Can you hear me? Yes. All right I got a couple of things I want to say. Uh, I just want to say uh, Oilers are been playing really awesome and all of Alberta is just going crazy. All the little little towns are going crazy as well. In my hometown library but I called you guys uh, a while ago, I was Canada's worst handyman. So I'm calling you again, but I'm going to be on my uh, comical side now. So we're on our way to San Jose. Actually, we're just passing Calgary. We're going to go watch the game in San Jose. There's a truckload full of us here, so we're pretty excited and pumped. And uh, yeah, we're uh, we're on our way. And uh, I just want to uh, tell you uh, a funny story. Uh, you know how uh, Connor McDavid has all these little nicknames. Uh, I'm an Aboriginal person, and you guys get a lot of Aboriginal fans out there all across Western Canada, BC, Saskatchewan, and uh, Alberta. And uh, uh, just a little funny story. Um, I used to own a, a, a company called Curve Sports. It's a sports company, and I had a lot of NHL guys wearing it. And this guy from Sad Lake, he speaks a lot of Cree. He, he asked me in Cree if I knew Connor McDavid because I know a lot of the NHL players. But this is the way he said it, and uh, um, he said, "Moichi can stow him out." Connor Maka He said, "Connor Muckadavid. David." So uh, I uh, I started saying that all over and on the internet, and everybody in Western Canada, the, the speech tree says, "Connor Muckadavid. David," and then uh, I uh, I made a song called 12 Days of Christmas" during Christmas, and uh, it had like thirty thousand views on the internet, and I'll just. Uh, sing the first little part it says on the first day of christmas my true love gave to me a connor muck david jersey
3: (laughs) awesome dean drive safe man enjoy game four okay
11: hey uh, you guys you you guys are not going to be there eh
3: no we'll be we'll be in edmonton bob and jack are there
11: all right so uh you'll see me on tv with the Oilers jersey wave to us
3: wave to us
11: awesome guys thank you have a
3: Appreciate it. 7804960063. We'll also bring Donald in. Hi, Donald. Hey, great game
2: tonight. I'm glad they won again. you are sure playing good tonight. As of late, I hey. hope they can continue winning the way they're doing and doing the right penalty killing
0: and all that. Can't help Excellent in that. And Zach has in there.
2: It's unbelievable. So we waited 11 years for this and I'm hoping they can make it.
3: Yeah, thanks Donald. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean a lot of guys are are, are stepping up. And I mean, Zach Cassian has has two goals. Leon Dreisaitl doesn't have a goal. Patrick Maroon doesn't have a goal. They were in the top 3 in goal scoring with Connor McDavid during the season. The the, the stars are going to break through. Mm-hmm. They they will have big games here for as long as the Oilers keep going. But, I mean, look at Pittsburgh last year. Rust, Sheary, ben- Benino, Pick- even the goaltender. Well, t- yeah, you know, Mur- Murray, no one knew
4: too much well, about. Pittsburgh tonight was a... Gunsel had a hatchet hat for hat them, hat them t- and Rust had the other two. There's their five goals. So you need guys to step up, and so far in the playoffs, Zach Cassian has been number one. All right
3: we got to bring you news and weather here at Midnight. This and is Matt Overtime Open Line. As you the Canadian the Oilers win one nothing Wilkins the on, this this Oilers Radio, on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chat. Well, good morning. Hope you've had a great Easter weekend. The Oilers win on Good Friday. They win on Easter Sunday. They don't allow a goal. In either of those games, one nothing. the final in Game 3 in San Jose. They lead the best of seven, nothing. Game 4 is Tuesday at 8. Game 5 is Thursday at 8.30. We'll have the face-off show starting at 6 both nights, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reid Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. You'll hear from Oilers head coach Todd McClellan in a few minutes. We're going to bring in Zach on the line. Zach, thanks for
8: calling. Hey, thanks for having me. What's on your mind? So, uh, uh, well, I just wanted to pick up on something. Uh, I think it was Rob said there how Cassian is uh, built for the playoffs, and it's well, it's just great to see him see him producing. But I saw an interesting thing there tonight uh, when they moved Sleppy up to to McDavid's line. You know, I've, I've liked Slepyev's game, and he's another guy built for playoff hockey, and he's skating well, and and you know he's got an excellent shot. Not much happened for him tonight, but. Uh, but I thought when they shuffled those lines there a little bit, it seemed, you know, there's nothing distinctive, but it seemed to give a little more balance to roll in four lines, and uh, was nice to
4: see. No, you're right, and sometimes a coach does that when he sees things getting a little stale, and you need a little jump start, you just switch things up. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You look like a genius when it does, and tonight Todd looked like one because the one line he switched up was by putting with with Cassian, and that was the line that produced the only goal that was needed for this victory.
8: Yeah, that's right. And it, and it seemed like uh, even that that fourth line uh, seemed to get a little more room out there too. For, you know, I don't know how it's related, but it seemed like it just helped to roll through the four lines. Uh, I also just wanted to say that I, I'm calling from Maui. Uh, I've been living here 20 years and waiting for these Oilers to get back to the playoffs. And, uh, my God, I just can't tell you how excited I am to to watch him from my home here. And uh, uh, I grew up in St. Albert, uh, uh, Rob, I think uh, one of my brothers played with you there in minor hockey, but uh, who but who's great who's
4: that? to listen to you guys. Who, I, who's your, that? Who's your brother?
8: Well, my, I'm Zach Wheatley. Uh, oh, I'm I'm, sure yeah, you know Pat. I Pat played with Pat, Casey. yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that, I thought it was, yeah. That
3: was a few years ago, yeah. <laughs> so what time was it there, Zach? <laughs>
8: Uh, just after 8. Got to put the kids to bed. But uh, Okay. Uh, we spent the day at the beach and then watched the hockey game.
3: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for listening and calling in, Zach. I hope we can hear from you again.
8: All right. Well, good luck.
4: Bye. I'd, I'd really like to be with Zach right now in Maui, <laughs> watching the Oilers <laughs> play and then hanging out at the beach.
3: Damon on the line as well. Hi, Damon. Hey,
6: guys. Uh, I just wanted to start out with uh, Talbot. That has been really good lately. Like, he hasn't faced a whole lot of shots, but um, he's been really lights out for the Oilers. I also wanted to say uh, the Oilers really weathered the storm in
4: San Jose tonight. Yeah, you knew they were going to have to. San Jose Sharks always come out hard at home, and, and they normally can dictate the way the game is going. Early in a hockey game, but Cam Talbot and the Oilers withstood it and then they were able to come back with a little bit of storm in the second period which changed the way the game was going. It was uh, you need big saves and Cam Talbot has given them the big saves when they need them.
3: Cam Talbot has going back to the regular season has four shutouts in his last 13 games, both times back to back or you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, right David? Yeah. <laughs>
6: but, cool. Uh, even through those first like 10 minutes of each period, they were able to like take the hits Make, and
3: uh, be able to make the plays. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, Todd McClellan called San Jose a 10-minute team. And he he didn't mean they only play well for 10 minutes, but he meant they really tried to establish themselves in the first 10 minutes, you know, get a strong forecheck going, hopefully build up a lead. They were the better team in the first period. The shots were 13-6. And the Oilers were able to withstand that. A couple of solid stops by Talbot and... You know, even though the sharks kept coming, the it's not as if the Oilers were hemmed in for long periods of time. They at least had little moments where they could re- <coughs> regroup, Rob, and that, and again, that's been an Oilers theme this season. They're able to minimize or, in this case, in this case, eliminate the damage done by the other team,
4: and then counterpunch. And we saw that a few times where they they got stuck in their own zone, but they have the presence of when they do get the chance of not just icing it when they get the puck on their stick. But looking for that play, and they, they got a couple two-on-ones, a couple partials early in the game that, that just pushed the, the defenders back a little bit and made them think a little bit about coming in and and, and stepping up and, and pinching too much. So uh, you got to withstand it, and then you got to throw your own flurry, and both teams threw a couple... Flurries tonight, and both goaltenders were excellent.
3: This was a great game to watch. It was a very good game. I mean, if you're, you know, I I know everybody listening, Oilers fans, this was an incredibly, probably emotional and nail biting experience, but this was a great game to watch if you just would have been an uninterested third party with your favorite team not in it. And how many times would we take a call, Rob, you know, where people say, I just. You know, I watch these other playoff games, and I want the orders to be in these tense games, and I mm-hmm. want the, that enjoyment of a fan of seeing how they do. Well, this truly, even more so to me than games one or two, was one of those games.
4: Well, it was, because in game one, the score was the only thing close. Right. And in game two, again, the score was the only thing close. But tonight, both teams played well, and both teams probably came out of the game afterwards saying that they deserved a victory. And it's probably true. So this was by far the best game to watch if you're a fan of either team.
3: Cody on the line. Cody, thank you for calling. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing well. Hey, uh,
6: a couple of thoughts here. First time listener. I uh, don't know. Long time listener. First time caller. <laughs> gotcha. Um, spent most of my career on the bench watching Letestia play. So I'm happy he's having some success here. But my major question is, with the emergence of Cassian, I know he wants to play here, likes to play here. Are we going to be worried about losing him in the expansion draft?
3: No, the, he's he's an RFA. He and he would absolutely be protected. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not. They're not even even if he hadn't done this, they weren't letting Cassian go. Okay, perfect. Thanks, guys.
6: Cody, what, were
3: you a Pontiac?
6: I was. I was a backup to Shannon Dabados.
3: I what, sat on the bench most of the time. What's your? Do you mind if I ask your last name? Fadoon. Okay, yeah, I covered, I don't know if you knew this, I worked in Lloydminster, so I used to cover yeah, you your team. Yeah, you covered the,
6: they were the Blazers
3: at the time. The Blazers then bought, yeah, they were the Bobcats the last couple of years I was there. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I covered, uh, Mark was the MVP in 06, Jeff Pister was coach of the year. Yeah. And uh, you guys lost in seven to Fort Mac in the second round. That was probably the best Bonneville team that was there while I was out there. Well, I only played in garbage time when Shannon was going to get hurt. Well, still, you were on the team, buddy. Thanks for calling. Yeah, that counts. Thanks, guys. Bye. That's Cody, 7804960063.
4: Hey, I, I know a lot of guys that were backup goaltenders, and they were very, very important members of their teams. It doesn't matter if you play two minutes, 20 minutes, to play every game. Everyone is part of the team, and teams make sure that the guys know that. You, and to be a backup goalie, you got to have a pretty good personality because you always want a good guy that is your backup.
3: Unsung job. And I mean, the Oilers have called up Nick Ellis from the Condors, whose season is over. And, you know, he's, because Talbot's going to not skate all the time. Mm-hmm. He'll take some practices off or the odd morning skate off. So they'll want two goalies off. So well, that, you know, Nick Ellis, un, you know, unsung job, but, but you got to go
4: out there and do it. But that's not the only reason. The, only, the other reason, too, is if an injury comes in, you don't want to have to call a goalie who's on vacation somewhere, right. golfing somewhere. You <laughs> want to have a guy yeah. that's still involved on a daily basis, and that's why you always have to have three goalies. And
3: Griffin Reinhardt's up with the team, a little extra depth on D. They, mm-hmm. they, they may have, call up some other guys to be the, to be the black aces. Well,
4: it's good. Good, because if this is a long, extended run, you want these guys to be part of it to see how much fun it is.
3: Oilers win one nothing over the Sharks. They're up 2-1 in the best of seven. We have Scott on the line. Hi, Scott.
0: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, a couple observations tonight. Uh, um, when San Jose, in the later parts of the game, let's say late, late second and definitely in the third period, San Jose had a hard time carrying that puck over our blue line thanks to the forwards coming back and the D-stepping up. Um, they, they just, I think I counted one or two times where they actually carried the puck through uh, past our blue line.
4: Well, you're right in a couple of reasons. A, the, the Oilers made sure their defensemen stayed up on the blue line, didn't allow easy access, and back pressure. The Oilers' forwards got back quickly, and they back pressured. They didn't let anyone even to get... Uh, you know, with free space, and there's no space out there. And, and another thing too, after the first period, the second and third period, the, the, the San Jose Sharks, who are a good hockey club on home ice, only had 10 shots on net. They had four yeah. in the second period, six in the third. So the Oilers, they they know how to clamp a game down now. Something they haven't been able to do in the past.
3: And, and you're, well,
9: you know,
4: you. I'm
3: oh, sorry. I was I just say you're right about the forwards coming back, and, and you know, a lot of people have been texting about Nugent Hopkins, and I think it's worth bringing up again. How often Nugent Hopkins is right down by the crease or, or right on the goal line to, to back-check or to take a short pass from a defenseman to help move the puck back up ice?
0: Well, Rob, did you notice or read, uh, notice at the very end with a minute to go, um, I'm thinking, not that I care, um, Thornton's not on the ice. Now, did he come back a little too early for San Jose and nursing a bad knee?
4: Um, I don't know. I didn't. I, I saw him walking to the dressing room after the game. I, 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 I didn't watch that closely. I'm, I'm watching more of the Oilers players who are out there. I thought Thornton, uh, for a guy that was not supposed to play and they weren't sure if he'd be in the series, I thought he w- he looked very, very good tonight. And the one thing that I looked very closely at is when there was battles along the boards, he was involved and that's where it would hurt. Not so much skating up the ice, it's when you're battling and you've got to torque your body and torque your legs. That's when you worry if there's something with the knee that's injured, if that's going to be able to withstand it. I thought it withstood it well. We'll see, obviously, it's going to be sore tomorrow, but I thought Thornton was very good in this game.
3: I'm glad you brought up the shots, Rob, because we made a big deal of it in game one when the Oilers had ten shots in the first period and then only nine the rest of the way. Uh, you know, including mm-hmm. a little bit of overtime, and yeah, San Jose gets 13 shots in the first period, and then has only 10 the rest of the way. Uh, the shots in the th- the shots in the third period were 6-4 for
4: the Sharks. It, it, well, at that point, it's a game that both teams knew next goal won, and neither one wanted to make that big mistake. Fortunately for the Oilers, the mistake was made by the San Jose Sharks, and they took advantage of it.
3: David Schlemko trying to lob the puck out of the zone. It hits Zach Cassian, drops onto his stick in front. He swipes a backhand underneath Martin Jones to get the win. Uh, Hafiz, did I say your name right? Yeah, it's it's Hafiz. Hafiz? Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. What's on your mind?
6: Hey, listen, you know what I noticed uh, during the second, uh, our first intermission, they were showing the stats of the first period, and how we were out hit by an obscene number. You know what? Honestly, it didn't even seem like we were getting out hit or or even uh, uh, outplayed. I mean, yeah, they did have a stronger period, but I feel like you know what? We were able to endure those hits and still come out, uh, you know, ahead.
4: I agree. I, I there weren't there weren't the bone crushing hits. I think San Jose was very good at finishing checks. I thought San Jose was stronger in the first period. But it wasn't like we've seen in past games in San Jose where it's just a dominating appearance or what we saw at the end of the second uh, the second and third periods in game one. I thought the Oilers played okay in the first and they got stronger as the game went on and that's what you need to do.
3: All right, let's go back to San Jose. It's 12-17 here in Edmonton. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan.
1: Did on that on that goal. Well, his, his play, I think... Uh speaks for itself he stepped up to the plate and and he's delivered for for three games straight Um, obviously scoring big goals but doing a lot of other things uh, during the game the penalty kill portion of it the forecheck the momentum uh, you know he's been tremendous for us on the goal I thought it was a line goal really in my opinion Leon was involved in the forecheck and put the puck into a good area um, real good anticipation skills by by Cast to read where the play was going, and then uh, found a way to sneak it by the goaltender. Todd, can you talk about that adjustment that you made? Leon Leon had been on that line for most of the you know the end of the regular season there, but you made an adjustment, threw him in the middle, and that ended up that line ended up scoring. Yeah, we were uh, uh, you know when you're on the road, you don't always get what you want, and uh, with Jumbo coming back in, into the game, they were uh, big and strong down the middle. It's one of their strengths. And we started the night a certain way, and I didn't think it was was working in our favor. Uh, so we moved a few things around, and, um, you know, it, it was not a demotion by any means for, for Leon. In fact, uh, I whispered in his ear it was a promotion uh, because his responsibility level had to go way up, and I, I thought he did a good job. It seemed like maybe when his minutes came down a little bit, the quality went up. Is that is that fair? No, I, I think it... Uh, you know, I don't. I don't agree with that. I just think that the game changed a little bit in, in, in that that time, and uh, the whole team's play went up a little bit when we did that. Um, but uh, it was a, it was a tight game. It could have went either way, and uh, both teams played well. Both goaltenders played well. Um, we were on the right side of it.
11: Coach, you guys didn't take as many penalty signs as you guys did in games one and two. Did, were you preaching discipline after game two?
1: Yep. Yeah, we were. That's you know pretty obvious that we uh, we took too many and and six a night wasn't gonna gonna get it done. So we cleaned that up a little bit. Todd, so many so many games, playoff games here. This was your barn. Was it surreal? What did it feel like to be the the other guy this time? Well, it's it's sure not about me. I can tell you that much. Um, Everybody moves on, and, and there's 40 guys tonight to put the, the equipment on. I know Peter DeBoer would tell you the same thing. It's not about the two of us. It's about the, uh, the guys that have ice bags on their ankles and, and blocking shots, and they're, you know, they're tired, they're sore. Um, both teams are like that, and when you have that type of game uh, where everybody leaves the rink worn out, uh, it was a hell of a game, and I thought that was the case tonight. So uh, the last thing this series is about is the, the two coaches.
6: Todd, uh, Camp Talbot has not had to stand on his head in the last two games, but he has two
9: shutouts. What's what's the adjustment for a goalie in the playoffs? Because it, it seems to be a,
1: a different animal for them than the regular seasons. Yeah, I think that uh, players in the playoffs ramp it up a little bit more. Their responsibility level goes up. And we didn't, we didn't have that in game one. Our responsibility level wasn't where it needed to be, and that was a corny red box thing that we talked about. But... Um, it gets ramped up a little bit so it's tougher to get the puck to the net and to the paint and um, in turn maybe the goaltenders don't see as much um dramatic work if you will but it becomes tougher because there's more bodies going to the net uh it's sporadic and uh you have to have a really good focused goaltender both teams have that right now
3: coach um, for the first game, the uh, Sharks uh, were dominating in the shots, and especially the second to periods mm-hmm. in overtime. Uh, from the last two games, a lot has changed. I mean, you have held the team at no scoring.
6: What particular adjustment you think you have made for defense uh, to achieve that?
1: Well, I, we've just become a little more responsible. We've made a few adjustments to our... Uh, to our game plan and some of the things that we do. Uh, but it, it really comes down to being more responsible um, team-wide, and uh, it's helped us to this point. We'll have, we'll have to get better. We'll have to take our game up a notch, uh, you know, starting in Game 4.
3: And Game 4? Coming up Tuesday night, right here on 6.30. Ched will have the face-off show at 6. The puck will drop at 8. The Oilers take a 2-1 series lead into that one because they won 1-0 Sunday night over the Sharks. Zach Cassian, the only goal with 9.15 left in the third. Cam Talbot, his second straight shutout. First goalie since Curtis Joseph in 1998 to get back-to-back playoff shutouts for the Oilers. It is 12.21, continuing coverage on 630ched.com. Thanks to our studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630 Chad.
1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.